great to see you guys, and for those of you watching online, it is great to have you this morning. Let, let's just stop just real quick, I, just a little housekeeping thing I need to talk to you about. As a leader, I understand this, uh, I'm criticized for a lot of things, I get that, that comes with the territory that uh, kind of gotten used to that, but uh, two things we just need to, need to talk about. We have, uh, again, am I an expert on COVID? No, I'm not, um, but let me say this. I don't know that you are either, right? Maybe we, we all, that didn't go over well, did it? We don't know. None of us know. None of, there's a lot of things. Here's what I do know, though. We have more people with the virus in our church right now than we've had throughout the whole thing. And so here's what we're asking. We're asking when you come in, uh, just wear your, wear your mask when you're around groups of people, and then when you have a seat, you can obviously take it off if you're social distance. We, we understand that. And I know not everybody agrees with me. I've heard from you. Thank you. Um, our staff, not everybody on our staff agrees with me, but in leadership, somebody has to make a decision, and we have decided to err on the side of being more safe. I, I, I personally, don't send me an email because, again, I'm saying I don't know everything there is to know. I personally think masks are a, are a, a good idea. They, they probably have some value, I think, in stopping the spread, so that's the reason for that. The other thing we've been criticized for, uh, and it's me. This is, this is on me, so you're going to criticize anybody, criticize me. Don't, don't criticize anybody else on our staff. I'll, it, it, the buck stops here. We've asked, to do, we've asked you to register, and people have not liked that. <laughs> I should not have to, I've heard it over, I shouldn't have to register to come to church. Understand that, you shouldn't. Um, and, and we don't check you when you come in, right? Nobody got checked this morning. We don't check that. We are asking. It's kind of like when you have somebody over for dinner, you'd kind of like to know how many are coming. It sort of helps, right? And so that didn't go over well, did it? Uh, but if you, you know, and, and, and more than just in here, more than this room, we certainly need it for our children and our preschool ministry because we want to keep those kids as spread out as possible, right? So it just helps our least. And getting volunteers right now has been really difficult, right? So we need to make sure we've got enough volunteers in enough rooms. And so if you could register uh, ahead of time, it just helps us. If you don't have time to register or you don't know what service you're coming to or you just forget, Come on, don't let that keep you. We don't check, right? So it just kind of helps us. Does that, does that make sense? Um, the mask thing, um, I hate wearing masks. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. I've caught to this place with masks. Um, it, it's, it's humiliating. There's a little bit of humility to it. That's not necessarily a bad thing. We come into worship with a mask on. It might remind us to humble ourselves before the Lord. I was trying to spiritualize that. You weren't buying, were you? Anyways, anyways, but... That, that's kind of where we are. So I, I know uh, we have a lot of different opinions, but can I say this as a church? Let's not get sidetracked on secondary issues. You know what? Let's stay focused on the main thing, and that is our king is Jesus Christ, and life is always better when we commit to him, fully submit to him. So that's what we're going to stay focused on. So I, I think it's important. We're starting a new Christmas series we've entitled Wish List. Uh, now, I think about myself. Um, for Christmas, this is a way, this is a way, Christmas kind of starts for me kind of mid-November when uh, Bass Pro Shop sends out their catalog, and I order. Um, uh, this is, I'm just being full disclosure here. The, the people who get me presents, you know, my parents, uh, my wife, different people, I go ahead and pick them out. Anybody else like that? that that's me. I pick out all my gifts. I mean, my, the stuff that I want for Christmas most, I've already received it. I've got it. It's, it's come. It's exactly what I want. And to be honest, I've always been that way. You know, I remember the old Sears and Roebuck catalog. You remember that as a kid? Any of you, you pick your, you pick your stuff out. Isn't that fascinating, though, as it relates to Christmas? We're celebrating Jesus' birthday. Everybody gets that. But we just initially think about what we want for Christmas, right? What do you want? That's a, that's a question we ask. What do you want for Christmas this year? Well, I'm all over that. But we're just going to flip the script a little bit for this sermon series because we're saying wish list 
But it's, what does Jesus want for Christmas? What does the Lord want from me for Christmas? What would be at the top of his list that, that, that he would want for me at Christmas? So you understand the concept? So that's where we're going to be over the course of the next several weeks at Christmas. We're going to really look, like, look at what is it that Jesus wants for Christmas. So the first thing at the top of the list, and you may put something different there, and, and, and that's okay. The first thing that we're putting at the top of, of Christ's wish list for us at Christmas, some of you mass people are still mad at me, right? I can see the look on your face. Just relax. It's okay. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? The first thing on that list is bold faith. I think that's what the Lord wants for Christmas in my life, bold faith, that I would truly, truly trust him and surrender to him. And, and, and in fact, Hebrews eleven six 6, it says this, we'll put this up on the screen. It says this, and without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. So that, that tells me that that tells me that bold faith is a pretty big deal. And so what's at the top of this wish list? I'm not so sure that it isn't bold faith. That's what God wants from us for Christmas this year. In, in fact, there's an interesting story in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, it's, it's a story of uh, this centurion who comes to Jesus. A Roman military official comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, one of my servants is paralyzed and suffering greatly. And Jesus said, well, would you like me to go and heal him? And the centurion says, no, I don't want you to come to my house. I don't deserve to have you come to my house. He said, if you would just say the word, I believe that he would be healed. And, and then Jesus says this, Jesus says to those around him, he says that this person's faith amazes him. He hasn't seen any faith like this in Israel. And so here's the point. As far as I can tell, the only thing in the gospels that amazed Jesus was bold faith, right? The only thing that, and, and, and you think about that. Wouldn't you want to amaze the Lord? Well, of course. And so what's at the top of this wish list? It's bold faith. And so we're going to talk about it today. We're going to look at a familiar story at Christmas but instead of saying, you know, this is what, what we do, when we start reading a story, you think, I've already heard that one. Well, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. And of course, you've heard the story of Joseph, but we're going to look at it through the lens of Joseph's bold faith. Because here's the thing. Here's what I think about Joseph in the story. Here's a young man who has taken a woman on to, that's going to be his wife. They've not yet had their wedding ceremony. He knows he's never been with her physically. She tells him she's pregnant. He can see that she's pregnant. She says that it is through the, the Holy Spirit that she is pregnant. And Joseph's like, hmm. That's a tough one, Mary. And an, 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 an angel comes to Joseph and, and tells him the same thing and then tells him to not be afraid to take Mary. We're going to read it in a moment. Make, take Mary home as his wife, and he obeys. Can we just agree? The man, that took some, that took some bold faith. I mean, that's, that's, that's tough, right? I mean, this takes bold faith on Joseph's part. So we're going to kind of break down some keys to bold faith in Joseph's life and really look at it and how we apply that uh, to our life. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now, watch this. There's only uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Matthew and Luke have the traditional Christmas story. Now, notice how it starts. It doesn't start this way, once upon a time. Because that's how fairy tales start, right? And that's what some people think about Christmas. It's just a fairy tale. Do you know what, what Matthew does? He goes through 42 generations, right? The first 17 verses of Matthew's Christmas story are what we call genealogies. He, he goes back 42 generations before. Now, how many of you, like, when you see genealogies in the Bible, you're like, I'm skipping that. You do that? Yeah, I, I, me too. <laughs> I do that sometimes too. And that's wrong. Some of you are like, I'm so ashamed of you. There's way worse things you should be ashamed of me than that. I'm not telling you. Anyways, 
But what Matthew is saying is, this isn't a fairy tale. This story is rooted in history, right? I mean, there is objective truth. You can go back 42 generations and you can see the line. Jesus was born in a real family, in a real place in time. And so he roots it historically, right? This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So she was betrothed, which is more than our engagement. It would, some of you know this, in order to get out of this, it would take a certificate of divorce. There is a legal relationship they have, even though physically they haven't come together, verse 18, or excuse me, 19, because Joseph, her husband, underline this, if you would, Joseph, her husband, underline these words, faithful to the law. That's kind of a facet of this story that we're going to talk about that maybe we've kind of missed. When it says that Joseph was faithful to the law, it would make sense if God chose Joseph. Now, why did God choose Joseph as the earthly father for his son? Uh, First of all, because he was in the line of David, King David, and so it lines up with prophecy. But then we see many things in the life of day, or many things in the life of Joseph that, that we should emulate. When he says he's faithful to the law, what does that mean? Mean he knew the word of God. He was consistent. The way that word is written, he was consistent in the law. What we would know is the Old Testament right? So he's a person who was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her. The last part of verse 19 shows us that he truly was faithful to the law because he lists two of the three things written in the law of God that you would do if you found out your wife uh, had been with another, another person physically. And so, in other words, Joseph has a decision to make, and he is making that decision through the lens of Scripture. How would all of our lives be different if we did what Joseph did, right? Now, let's read on. But after he had considered this, ask the question, after he had considered what? What the Scripture had to say about what he was to do if he ever found himself in this situation. So we see as being faithful to the law. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, can we stop for just a second? How many of you want a word from God? Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, my guess is you didn't raise your hand, but I guess everybody would say, you know what? If God wants just to clearly speak to me, yeah, sign me up for that one. I mean, we live in a culture, and, and, and for years I, I did marriage counseling. We have great people who do it a lot better than me now, but for years, and even in marriage counseling, I, I would hear how many, so many folks would come to and they wanted a word from God. And I would always ask this question. I would always ask this question, how much time have you guys together as a couple been spending inside the Word of God together? I only can remember two out of several hundred probably who who said they were. In other words, we all want a word specifically from God. We're just not so willing to be in on a daily basis the word of God, right? And you will never, I believe, get a specific word from God until you have been faithful inside the word of God on a daily basis. Do you see the order here, right? He was faithful to the law, and then the angel shows up and speaks to him. Now, but after he had considered this, so he's meditating on it. In other words, he's not just hearing and then going away and doing what he's wanting to do. He wants to, to be obedient to what he asked to what he's heard. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because he said, don't be afraid because fear, fear is really the opposite of many ways of faith, isn't it? Right? And don't be afraid. And Well, there's a lot to be afraid of, right? I mean, if Joseph walks back with Mary, they got married and everybody in the family is like, 
Nice, Joe. I saw that one coming. I mean, the gossip that is going on there. I mean, just the shame that he would felt from his, his in this, this hyper-conservative Jewish family in Nazareth. Can you imagine the shame that he would have felt there? That would have bred real fear. But Joseph shows us a picture of bold faith. He's courageous enough to push past that fear to be obedient to the Lord. You see how we're seeing that this is bold faith? So he takes her home, takes Mary home. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's a reminder of this again. And, and by the way, this would not have been, I mean, sometimes we think, boy, that's a doozy. Like Holy Spirit conceiving, wow. Where did that come from? Well, Joseph, because he was faithful to the law, knew this. He knew that when Messiah would come, that, that part of the evidence of the Messiah being there is it would have been a virgin birth. So this isn't the first time he's, he's heard of this. He's just beginning to realize, I'm a player in this, right? I'm a, I'm a part in this. Pretty wild. So he'll give, verse 21, he'll give birth to a son, and you'll give him the name Jesus. What is that? That is, that is a messianic prophecy. In other words, the angel is reminding him of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, when the prophet Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus would be born, called his shot. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Right? you understand that? The prophet is saying, hey, here's how you know Messiah, because it will be through the birth of a virgin, and he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said uh, through the prophet. I, I want to say something really quickly here because I know there are people all, all over the spectrum that, that are here today and watching online. Uh, listen, if you, if Christianity is, is, is not a blind leap in the dark. There is so much historical evidence. Yes, it's going to take faith. There's no question about that. There's so much historical evidence that backs up the gospel, and that's what Matthew is trying to, to bring out when he brings up these prophecies. Verse 24, watch this. When Joseph woke up from this dream, or the angel speaking to him, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Do you understand what's happening here? I mean, a lot of times we wonder, we wonder was that God who was speaking to me last night in the dream, right? Or was that, that bad pizza? What, what was that, right? I don't, I don't know exactly. Well, God is never going to say something to you that contradicts what God has already said in his word right? And, and, and Joseph knew what God had already said in his word. So that, that was one of the things. And so he obeys. That's bold faith. He's courageous enough to obey. He takes Mary home as his wife, and he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. He's not with her physically because of his respect for the holiness of his God until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus, which is another big thing because in that culture, the firstborn son most often would take the name of the father, right? But he doesn't do that because he's being completely obedient to what the Scripture says, to name him Jesus, that meant Yahweh saves or our Lord saves, right? Now, here we go. Let's look at a couple things about bold faith uh, today. It's going to take, it needs to be at the top, I think, of our wish list. This is, in other words, God's wish list for us. Let's put a picture up. Guys who are running, let's go ahead and put a picture up there. So here is, uh, uh, this is the Rock, everybody knows that's Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Now, um, that's a guy, that's a big dude, isn't it? Now, here's the thing about Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson didn't go to bed one night looking like me and wake up the next day looking like that. Like my wife is hoping for that. She's like, that would be awesome, right? I, yeah, please. If you're going to look like that, there's a process to looking like that. Would you agree with that? 
I mean, you, you got to sell out to that look. There's nothing wrong with that. You look like that. More power to you, right? Great. That, that's a good thing. You know what's interesting about the rock? Jesus had a rock in his life. He had a friend he referred to as the rock. You ever thought about that? In the New Testament, a man by the name of, of Simon Peter, Jesus called him the rock. Why? Because of his big faith. It was Simon Peter when everybody else was kind of turning away. Simon Peter says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the long way to the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said on, your, on, on, the, on this statement of faith, I'm going to call you the rock. Here's my point. You know what? You're, not gonna, you're, you're probably never going to look like the rock. There's a few of you here who maybe, but you're, you're not going to look like the rock. Guys, I'm talking to God. Ladies are like, thank you. Yeah, I don't really want that. You understand the point, right? I'm not going to look like the rock, you know? But here's the thing. God can do something in me spiritually to have this bold faith. He can build something up in me that is greater than that. And that's what God is up to, building bold faith. But bold faith takes some things. And we're going to talk about three of them just really quickly in the next 20 minutes. Are you ready? Bold faith, which would you agree, the Scripture says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So it would make sense that at the top of Jesus' wish list, what he's wanting from Christmas from you would be bold faith. Are you with me so far? So what is the process of growing my faith? Because faith in many ways is kind of like a muscle. It has to be stretched. It has to be developed. It has to, to grow. And so here we go. Bold faith takes, number one, proper focus. Bold faith takes focus. I mean, wouldn't you agree that the rock is probably pretty focused on that look? I mean, it's probably affecting most every decision in his life because you've got to be focused if you're going to have a look like that. But as we think about bold faith, if you want to have bold faith, faith must have the right, the right object. I've got to be focused on the right thing. Now, listen, this can be a little bit confusing. Hang here with me for just a minute. We are a culture today, if you're watching online, watch this. We are a culture today that, that loves to talk about faith. You know, we'll say that she's a person of faith, he's a person of faith, and that, that can mean just a ton of things, Right? can mean a ton of things. But what we're talking about is your faith has to have the right object for it to make any difference. And, and, and you're saying, well, I still don't understand you. Well, I, I, I brought this along. Yeah, this, is, uh, this is electrical conduit, right? This electrical piece of electrical conduit. Now, do you know what, for, for, for builders or, or most of you would know that you have this running into your house and all of your, or, or most of your wires that are coming to your house are coming through this piece of conduit. But you would never say that, you know what, I'm thankful for that conduit that's lighting our house, right? Because the, the conduit doesn't light your house, does it? It is the wiring and the electricity that flows through that wiring that is lighting your home or lighting this facility that we're in uh, right now. And so in, in much the same way, that is our faith. Faith is like this conduit that as it grows and expands, it allows more of God's power to really flow through your life and you experience more of the power in the presence of God. You see? Now, now here's the thing. If, if you just focus, watch this, if you just focus on your faith, in other words, you say, I want, this year I want my faith to grow. Or you might say, well, this year I want to be more religious, or this year I want to get more involved in the, in, in the church. If you focus just on your faith growing, you're going to be discouraged. But if you focus on a greater and greater understanding of Jesus, who he is, because Jesus is the object of our faith, if you focus on understanding more of him, then listen, your faith will grow as a byproduct. It will, it will soar, Right? Because bold faith moves our focus. Watch this at Christmas. At Christmas, bold faith moves our focus from merely a baby in a manger to an understanding that this was the God of creation who stepped into his world, 
wrapped in the frailty of flesh. That's a pretty amazing thing, isn't it? And let me just tell you, the story of the incarnation of God becoming man, nothing in history is so fantastic as that. Do you believe me? Nothing, I believe this, nothing in history is so fantastic as that. So if I make Jesus the object of my faith, right, then my faith is going to grow. And let me just give you one simple way to do that over the next three weeks. I mean, if you're like me, you're listening to Christmas music, aren't you? I love Christmas music. Do you? That's great, yeah. But if you just stop, and, and some of the songs that you have sung all your life, if you'll just stop and listen to some of the lyrics about what they're declaring about Jesus, right? I mean, you can sing something uh, for, forever. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Is he your king? King Jesus. I'm under, see, when I understand him as King Jesus, then see, he's the object of my faith, and my faith will begin to grow, right? So just, just think about that. Just think about these amazing lyrics, and, and your faith will grow. The, the, the more you focus on the staggering fact of Emmanuel, God with us, it's amazing how your faith will grow. Because let me tell you something. Faith has to have an object. The object is Jesus, and the angel says, Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us, right? So what, is, what, what does that mean? Emmanuel, it means Jesus is God, he is man, and he is with us. Jesus is God, he is man, and he is with us. And you begin to focus on that, that he is God, he is man, and he is with me. And then a byproduct, your faith will just naturally grow. Let me say it to you this way, and I'll move on. As Jesus gets bigger to you, your faith will grow in you. That's the way it works. And that's the only thing that amazes God. And if you're, it's impossible to have anything from, from God without our faith growing. So this is a noble endeavor, isn't it? As we take this on. Let, let's look at the second thing here today about bold faith. We have to have proper focus. Number two, we have to have consistent reps. I got some dumbbells here this morning. These are 15. I use bigger. These were Nick's. <laughs> yeah. And I got three services. So, you know, consistent reps. My, my guess is The Rock is pretty consistent with his reps. Don't you think? There's a dude that's pretty consistent with his reps because he knows if his muscles are going to grow, he's got to be consistent with his reps. What does verse 19 say? about Joseph, that he was faithful to the law, it speaks really of his consistency inside and to the Word of God. Because here's what the Scripture says. And again, I told you earlier, some of you looked at me like you were crazy, or like I was crazy. I mean, I'm looking at you like you are. You look, anyways, forget what I said. Faith in some ways is like a muscle. It's like a muscle. It has to be developed. And the Bible is crystal clear about this in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God, right? Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of God. So if I want my faith to grow, I've got to have consistent reps. You see, time in the Word is, is the workout for bold faith. It really is. Now, I know you were looking for something else. There isn't anything else. Now, there's a lot of different ways that we can get in the Word, but I would say this. You've got to develop a plan for consistent spiritual reps in your life. You've got to do that. Don't you think, wouldn't you imagine, if we could see The Rock's workout plan, I'm sure he has a trainer. I mean, he's got a plan. He's, he's got a plan for consistent reps. What is your plan for consistent reps? I need to set this down. I'm starting to get gassed here. 
Anyhow, so develop a plan. Let me say this secondly, when it comes to reps, delete your excuses. Because here's what I hear about, and I've been doing this for a long time, and uh, I may not be able to keep this job very longer. I'm losing my filter. It's bad in this line of work, right? So, um, well, I just don't understand the Word of God. So I don't understand the Bible. Here's what I would do. I would buy you, and I'm not... This is, I'm not trying to be offensive. I understand probably why you don't understand the Bible, and I understand there's parts of the Bible that can be confusing. I understand that. This is an amazing book for the rest of our life that we'll be reading and learning at a different level more and more. But, but for some of you, you didn't have the privilege of growing up in church, and you, don't, you didn't really learn all the stories, so the foundation hadn't been laid, and so it is a little bit confusing. You don't understand how everything comes together. So here's what I would do. If you would say, I don't understand the Bible... Go and buy a copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible for children. Read it to your kids if you have them or your grandkids or read it for your, hide in your closet and read it if you're embarrassed. That's okay. You've been hiding with other things, right? Hide and do this. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) It is amazing to me how many people I know who have bought the Jesus Storybook Bibles to have their devotion with their children at night and said, I've learned, I never knew that. I've learned so much. I never knew that. I never understood that story. I never understood how it connected to God's bigger story. Do that. Uh, secondly, if you say, you know what, I, the, I don't understand the Bible, uh, go to the Bible Project, BibleProject.com, BibleProject.com, and, and they have every single, you just pick which book. I always say start with John, but you might want to start with Matthew or, or Luke over this time of the year and just pick that book and then have seven to eight minutes to watch an animated an animated background of that book. It will tell you about what was going on in that culture. It will help explain the background and what's going on, and you will, it'll be like, oh, that makes sense, right? Or here's the other thing. Well, I just don't have that much time. I'm too busy. Hebrews says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Romans says, the only way that my faith grows is through hearing the Word of God, You know what I'm telling you? You're chasing after the wrong things. You may be working hard, but you may be like a hamster on a wheel, and you're not getting anywhere. If you're too busy to spend 15 minutes taking a rep in the Word of God, ever how you take it in, I'm just going to be honest with you. You need to delete that excuse. You're too busy. And, and here, I mean, you write, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand here, but your commute to work is, is 15 minutes or more. I mean, we have from 10 to 15 minutes, we have a podcast every single day of the week, five days of the week, that's reading a section of Scripture and just explaining that section of Scripture. If you could turn what you normally listen to in the morning on your ride into work and just listen to, to the Word of God, you know what it is? You're getting a rep on the way into work. But you just have to build a plan for consistent reps in your life if you want to have bold faith. And that, that's what's at the top of his wish list for you this year. But here's a plan. Proper focus, consistent reps, and then finally, last thing, proper fuel, right? So I've got a little, uh, little protein, protein shake uh, here. I doubt The Rock. I mean, I don't, I don't know The Rock. I don't, I don't know Rock. Uh, the Rock, I, uh, um, I doubt he works out in the morning and then heads to the Golden Corral uh, for the next, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's part of his regimen. I don't know that. My guess is he's pretty, pretty focused on his workout. My guess is he's pretty focused on his diet. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say so. The closest thing I know to the rock is sitting right down here with a, 
Dr. Shibiyama, we were on a mission trip one time. He was walking around with shorts and no shirt on. My wife was there. I said, please put your shirt on. I don't want my wife to see that a man's body can look like that. Please do that. I don't need that in my life, right? Proper, proper fuel. So what is the fuel of your faith? Really, obedience to the word will fuel your faith. That's what we see in this story. Now, can I tell you something about, about obedience? Watch, watch this. Watch this. This is so important. Your obedience, trusting God enough to obey him, first of all, is the mark of true faith, right? If, if, if we say we love Jesus and follow Jesus, but we don't obey anything that he's commanded us to do, the Scripture, 1 John, is quite clear. We, we deceive ourselves, right? So not that we do it perfectly, but the mark... The mark, one of the marks that, that we have been transformed by the gospel is our lives are being transformed in obedience. Let me say it another way. Do you have a desire to obey, right? A desire to obey is a mark of being born again. But not only is obedience a mark of your faith, obedience is also fuel to your faith. You see, it will grow your faith. It's a very important thing. Now, think about this. Joseph's life... And his, his faith really impacted every area of his life. His faith impacted every area of his life. Look at verse 24 and 25 again. This is bold faith. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. What does bold faith look like? It looks like obeying what God is calling you to do. And took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus, right? So here's the thing. Here's the thing. This was inconvenient and uncomfortable, wasn't it, for Joseph? Can we just agree with that? You know enough about the Christmas story to say, well, that was inconvenient. Pretty uncomfortable stuff. Most of the things that God will ask you to do in your life will be inconvenient and they will be uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Most of the things that God asks you to do will be inconvenient and uncomfortable. Now, think about this. We're, we're talking about growing our faith. Do you think the rock does the same workout every single day? Or do you think throughout the years, he continues to stretch himself? It's, it's, it's why I don't use a trainer, because they push me. And it's why I look like I do. So anyways, you see that? But if you're, if you're a trainer, if it, for, for a trainer, for someone to grow physically, they have to be stretched. They have to be challenged. You have to be pushed. Does that make sense? Right? I mean, if you're not pushed, it's probably not making much of a difference. And so if God is growing your faith, he's going to stretch you. There's things that are going to be inconvenient, and there are things that are going to be uncomfortable. Uh, for me, I, I, on the tree out there, we, we've got these, these faith ornaments, right? We're giving you a free ornament today. Our, our goal is all 2,000 of them would be gone by Christmas. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? We're praying and serving and giving for all of these, but most of them are going to be uncomfortable. I mean, there's an ornament out there that's going to challenge you and your family to take a short-term mission trip this next year. That will be inconvenient. It's never a good time to do that, and it will be uncomfortable. I've taken dozens of them. I think about what Amy and I are going to do this year, and I look at it, and I think, that's inconvenient, and that's uncomfortable. But every single time I've ever gone, God has shown up. He's stretched my faith, and he's grown my faith. You see, all those things, right? Taking an area of leadership, serving in a way, committing to a small group Bible study, you name it, it's going to be inconvenient, and it's going to be uncomfortable, right? It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be uncomfortable, but it's a stretch of my faith to grow my faith, right? And, and, and sometimes, watch this. Let me build on this. Sometimes, many times God's going to ask you to do some things and you're not going to have complete understanding about it. Do you think Joseph fully understand the whole concept of virgin birth? Like Joseph was like, okay, I get that. At some point he just said, I'm going to have to trust you on that one. I'm going to have to trust you on the biology of that one. And that's the way it is. I mean, I think about baptism. This is just an example. People ask me about baptism and, and I've been to the seminary, right? And, uh, 
And I'll, I, I, can, I can tell people, I can go 30 minutes, I can bore you to tears, right? But it's still at some level they're like, ah, I don't understand. It. I mean, at some point you just got to, you know what, Jesus has called me to do that. I don't understand everything about it. I'm just going to obey him, right? It's, that, I just don't understand it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. If that's what God's called me to do, and that's how our faith grows because it's on the other side of that obedience that God reveals more to us. And we're like, ah, oh, that makes sense, you see? So I hear this. You, you got a plan for your life. Don't you think Joseph had a plan for he, he and Mary's life? They're just starting out. We're going to get married. After we're going to get married. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then a couple years down the road, we'll have a couple kids. We'll get this business going. Don't you think Joseph had a plan for his life? Help me. I got to move fast. He had a plan for his life. But God had a plan for Joseph's life too. It was different from Joseph's plan. I think that's the story of your life and my life. I've got a plan for my life, but God's got a plan for my life. And if I've got a plan for my life and God's got a plan for my life, what needs to happen? Somebody's got to change plans. <laughs> right? And bold faith says, God, your plan. Really, bold faith has, the, has, has to surrender to God's plan over ours. That's what bold faith does. God, I surrender to your plan over mine. You see? But watch this. As we, as we, as we think about this, as we, as we think about this, I think we have to make sure that there's a difference between bold faith and just what I would call demon faith, I said that to try to get your attention because demon faith is really the faith of cultural Christianity in the South, right? I believe in Jesus, and we think that's bold faith. Intellectually believing in the facts of Jesus, it's not bold faith. In fact, James, it's a start, but James chapter 2, verse 9 says that the demons believe that and tremble, you see? So bold faith, bold, bold faith is quite different from that. It's, it's, it's really the willingness to surrender to God's inconvenient and uncomfortable plan in our life. Here's what I would say. Watch this. I'm losing some of you. Can you hang here for a few minutes? They'll start playing the piano, and you know it's almost over. I think we want enough of Christ to be identified with him. We just don't want enough of him to be inconvenienced by him. We live in a culture today that wants enough of Christ to be identified with him, I just don't want to be inconvenienced by him. That's not bold faith. Because watch this, watch this. Those with bold faith understand this. They realize that obedience to God's inconvenient plan leads to an encounter with his incomparable presence. Those with bold faith believe this. Surrender to his inconvenient plan leads to his incomparable presence. Can we go back 2,000 years to a little small town called Bethlehem when Joseph sat there that night and held God in his arms? You know what Joseph is probably saying? Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. Worth a little ridicule. Worth some inconvenience. Worth the period of being uncomfortable. That's what bold faith leads to, and it will fuel you. Listen, every little step this week, every little step, we're talking about fueling our faith, every little step of obedience that God is calling you to, to push through that, to trust him enough to obey, will fuel your faith. It will continue to fuel your faith and bring about growth in your life. What is the top of this wish list? It's bold faith. Being focused on the right things, and the right thing is Jesus. Consistent reps in fueling that faith. Last thing is this. Bold faith ultimately brings real hope. And ultimately hope beyond this life.
I left my 90-year-old grandmother's bedside last night, close to 9 o'clock. And I think I kissed her for the last time. And uh, she's had several strokes in the last couple weeks. She can't speak. so hard to hear her. And she raised up, and she was trying to talk. And she didn't want me to go. And I didn't want to go. I bet I kissed her 20 times. And I told her 100 times how much I love her and how I wouldn't be where I am today without her. And I walked out of that house for probably the last time with her in it. And I went out in that yard, stood beside an old barn that I'd thrown a ball into about five million times. I was done. And then it just broke through like a flash. Bold faith says this, it's not the end. It's not the end. This is so long for now. I'm going to see you at the house. And bold faith offers hope beyond this life. And I'm going to tell you right now, in my life, that is the most valuable thing that I have. You can take every single thing away from me. As long as I got that, I'm good. Let me tell you something about the hope of Christmas. It's going to sound weird because you got a Christmas card sitting on your kitchen table that says what I'm about to tell you that Christmas is not. Or you're like somebody in the last service that said, we sent this Christmas card out. The hope of Christmas is not that we'll have peace on earth. That's not the primary hope of Christmas. I know that's what our culture believes. Hey, this year at Christmas, the meaning of Christmas is now we can have peace on earth. The hope of Christmas ultimately is that we can have peace between heaven, heaven and earth. And you say, well, why would we need that? Because your sin and mine made us enemies to a holy God. And whether you realize it or not, your life made you a hostile enemy toward the sovereign king of the universe. And Jesus came to bring peace between heaven and earth. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He was not a prophet telling other people how to get to God. He was and is God himself who came to get to you. That's a big difference. Why Christmas? Why Christmas? Why Emmanuel? Why did, why did God step into this situation? Because sin couldn't be swept away. You can't sweep it under the rug. It had to be paid for. And the sovereign, holy king of the universe desired 
a righteous and holy sacrifice. That's why the name Emmanuel means so much. Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, fully God yet fully human, the only one who could bridge the gap and bring peace between heaven and earth. He's the only one who could pay it. But lastly, watch this. We're talking about bold faith. What is your part? You're like, okay, 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 okay. I understand that. Sin can't be swept under the rug. I get it, I get it. It had to be paid for. Jesus is the only one to pay for it. The God man, yeah, yeah. Fully God yet fully man. That kind of makes sense to me kind of for the first time in the time in my life. I could pay, but it just it just wouldn't be worth anything. Okay, I get it. But what, what what's my responsibility? What do we start out talking about? Bold faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Like, I don't know where you're going to lunch today, but you're not going to be able to pay for your lunch with yen. That's Japanese currency, right? Like, man, we just got back, and, and I, wanna, I didn't get this money changed. It's good. Go ahead. I'm going to give you some yen. It's a lot. Like, we, don't, we don't take that here. You know what the currency of the kingdom always is? You're going to have anything with God? It's faith. It's trusting him enough to realize, God, there's no way I can get to you. I'm trusting for the first time in my life in what you did to the person work of your son when he died on that cross to pay my sin debt, rise from the grave to purchase me a relationship. I'm trusting completely in what he did for my standing with you because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith has always been the currency of the kingdom. It's the way you get in, and it's the way you go on. The real question, listen today, I know it's time to go. The real question is not, does God exist? I mean, there's only two reasons for why you and the person beside you exist. A cosmic accident in the universe billions and billions of years ago, or a divine creator. Most people go with the latter. The real question isn't, does God exist? The real question is this, will he be trusted? Will he be trusted? Ultimately for your salvation and for the daily decisions in your life. That's the question of Christmas. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for bold faith in Joseph's life that gives us a picture of what you want to do in our life. Lord, help our, our, our faith to be focused on on Christ and Christ alone. Lord, grant us the discipline just to have continual reps. And Lord, help us see obedience as that which fuels our faith on a daily basis, no matter how inconvenient and uncomfortable it is. And what we might offer to you this year at Christmas is bold faith. To trust you to do the impossible in our life. In Jesus' name.